Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billet. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hey there, it's Christy Lee here and welcome to episode number 207 of the People Powered Business Podcast. Great to have you with us today. Hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are listening to this episode of the podcast. Now, today we have a special guest joining us here in the podcast and we're taking a slight detour, I guess, away from our usual very heavy people-focused content to look at something that is really important for all of us as business owners and even as leaders in businesses, and that is the concept of financial freedom. Now, when I'm working with business owners, one of the key values that I hold really close for me personally, but also for them, is creating a sense of freedom from our businesses and from our teams. Because I don't know about you, but I have certainly found myself in the trap of the business consuming my life. And I don't think anyone gets into business with that intention. Most of us get into business because we want freedom from, you know, the boss or the career or the nine to five. There's lots of different reasons, but I do find that freedom is a fundamental in our decision to start our own businesses. Maybe it's to choose our hours or to choose the projects we work on or the clients we work with, but there's always some sense of freedom underpinning things. And when I'm working with clients, one of the challenges that I see them face really often is having no freedom from their teams. And that's where I work with them to build teams that give them that sense of freedom from their business, not feel like the team's running them. And so freedom is something I am particularly passionate about. And as business owners, we have a unique opportunity in the ways in which we create wealth in and around and outside of our businesses, in our lives generally, and the ability for us to create the possibility for financial freedom in our businesses. And so today's episode is really focused on financial freedom for business owners. And to unpack that topic, I'm joined by a special guest. Today, I'm joined by Jackson Milan, who is the Wealth Mentor. He is an award-winning entrepreneur and wealth coach and the author of international best-selling book, Enjoy the Journey, Creating Wealth and Living the Life You Desire. Now, Jackson is a master of profit and wealth for business owners, and he has helped his clients build over $2 billion in combined wealth. So he specializes in helping six and seven figure business owners who have, you know, great great business models and can make money, but are maybe struggling to hold on to it or just don't have the traction there. And his signature solution is called the Wealth Mastery Machine. And he helps clients to automate and systemize all of the financial management stuff so they can get the confidence and clarity with their money and create financial freedom faster. So Jackson and I work with similar types of businesses a lot of the time and we share some uh, similarities in how we approach business. So in today's episode, we are going to unpack some of Jackson's experience, what he's seeing change in terms of business owners' pursuit for freedom in their business and what that's looking like for them now. 
Of course, we're going to talk about financial freedom, what it is, why it's so aspirational, and some of the mistakes business owners make when they're trying to chase or achieve this. And obviously, I chat to Jackson about his experience in building a team and leading people and how he approaches um, some of that money mindset work with his team and how he approaches financial disclosure with his team and lots of the questions that I get asked a lot about with business owners. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Jackson Milan today. Without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to this episode of the podcast, and today I'm joined by Jackson Milan, the Wealth Mentor. Jackson, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to having a chat and sharing all things uh, wealth and finance for uh, for business owners. Yeah, fantastic. So I've done the formal intro, the bio intro, but I like a less formal intro. What uh, what would you like to tell everyone about what you do, who you work with, and how you serve your clients? Yes. So I'm Jackson Milan. I'm also known as the Wealth Mentor. Uh, I've been involved in the wealth and business strategy space for over 15 years now. Uh, I got started in this space because my parents were business owners. Uh, My mum was a hairdresser, my dad was a tradie, and they both worked incredibly hard, but they never had any money. Um, We were always struggling. There was always a roof over our head and food on the table, but there wasn't much else. And they worked so incredibly hard. And they always said, if you want to be successful, you need to work hard for it. But I always thought that that was a bit peculiar because they didn't have money. And what I come to realize is that they were working for money as opposed to money working for them. Mm. So when I left school, I started training to become a financial advisor to help people like them. And I very quickly become disheartened because the industry, from my perspective, was only interested in helping wealthy people get wealthier and selling commission-based products to people like my parents who, quite frankly, didn't need them. And I almost quit. Uh, But as I was thinking about leaving, I said, well, if you're not going to try and fix this, who will? And I decided to bin the term financial advisor, and I started calling myself a wealth coach. And I basically built an educational-based syllabus teaching my clients all of the things that we should have learned at school but didn't, and helping them set the foundations for wealth. And uh, over the course of the last 15 years or so, uh, I've helped my clients amass over $2 billion in combined wealth. Uh, which has been pretty exciting. And uh, I also uh, live on an animal sanctuary up in far north Queensland. I've rescued and rehomed over 100 animals, and uh, that's my passion project. Uh, I'm a big believer of creating a lifestyle business and practicing what I preach. So uh, I definitely try to lead by example. Fantastic. I've just picked up some common threads in our story there because uh, my mum was a hairdresser and my dad was an electrical engineer as well. So very similar uh, backstories in terms of that grind of working to create money, but never seeming to have wealth as you've described it. It was very much ingrained in us as children that in order to have money, you had to work more hours. And I remember dad getting um, switchboards delivered into the garage on the weekends and we would all be working because that was the extra money we needed to come into the household. So I very much align with that story of seeing that grind and and realising that actually that doesn't create a whole lot of wealth for the family. Um, So yeah, really fantastic thread of that story there. And Similarly to your experience in financial planning, I learned that the world of HR is nothing like what you learn at uni. And I don't think I've used one ounce of my master's in HR since completing that degree because the practical world is so, so different. So uh, very similar threads that I pull from that there, which is really interesting. I'd love to start with that theme of the money mindset, really, that you work with business owners on. Because I think so many of us grow up with these stories that we have to work hard to make more money. Do you see that a challenge for the business owners you work with, especially when they're switching from that employee status into an entrepreneur or a business owner? Is that something you work with them on and you see often? 
Yes, it is the biggest challenge in my experience. And going back to earlier in my career, I worked with my clients to create these amazing holistic strategies that had all of these tactics in it. And basically, if they just followed all of the the steps that I'd laid out for them, then they would basically be presupposed to achieve all of their goals. And I remember this one particular instance where I was working with this high-income earning couple, and I presented the strategy, and I'd almost saw them glaze over halfway through, and I go, oh, that's concerning. Mm. And then we started implementing the strategy, and and basically, I just said, look, if you just stick to this and follow all of these actions, everything will, will be achieved. And within a couple of months, they'd missed steps, and the strategy had fallen to pieces. And I almost wanted to grab them by the shoulders <laughs> and shake them. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And that's really my first uh, kind of foray into understanding the, the world of behavioral financial psychology. Mm. Because what I realize is that for the vast majority of us, there's three components to wealth creation. There is the tactics. Yeah. And frankly, we all have access to the tactics. It's primarily an education piece. The second part is strategy. It's the logic of how do you combine the tactics in the right sequence in order to magnify the likelihood of success. Mm. But the unspoken thing is the internal operating system. And even myself, I found myself hitting these invisible ceilings. Even though I knew what was the right thing to do, I couldn't quite muster up the the inertia required in order to push through with it. And Mm. I see this time and time again. So I spent a lot of time understanding behavioral finance principles of why this occurs and how people start lifting these invisible ceilings to achieve their goals. And what this comes down to is that we've all been taught from a frame of scarcity-based financial planning. Mm, It is that there is an absence of means and there is only a finite amount of resource available and we must be really frugal Mm. with those means in order to achieve anything. And we've observed it in our, our parents and previous generations that they lived on the smell of an oil rag. Mm. They they squirreled away every last red cent. They worked tirelessly for 40 years mm-hmm. and then they retired and exhausted and, and enjoyed 20 if they were lucky. Yeah. And that is not how true wealth is made, particularly as a business owner. Mm. Uh, we need to shift from this scarcity-based mindset into an abundance-based mindset because my my philosophy on this is that most people fall short of their goals not due to an absence of means, mm. but due to an absence of planning. Mm. They set these un, these really small scarcity based goals, or they set one particular goal. They set out in pursuit of it. There is inevitably another goal that competes for the same resources, and they now need to make a scarcity based choice. Mm. For example, I want to go on a nice holiday with my family, but I want to upgrade the house. I know I should invest for the future, but I also want to send the kids to private school. It's this constant dichotomy of lifestyle versus financial. Yeah. And we work with our clients to help them give themselves permission to set the goals, but then also provide them with a pragmatic framework of how do we reverse engineer those goals to work at exactly what your business needs to do Mm. to allow you to achieve all of those goals. Mm. And it really changes the frame of, of mindset about how people work towards what they're trying to achieve. Mm. I say that a lot as well, that I have this or that, like it, it can't be both. It can't be both. You can have all the things. So, um, yeah, I love that. And I do see that mindset issue as well. And are you seeing with different generations coming into your programs, are you seeing a shift in that mindset from, the, I'm going to say the older generations, Gen X and above like us, um, into a different um, sort of mindset around financial wealth? Uh, are the younger generations getting it better? It's really interesting. Most of them have the same starting point whereby Mm. there's this scarcity-based view. However, Mm. I do believe the younger generations are more open to new ways Yeah. because let's face it, right? If we go back even 20 years or 30 years, 
the idea of living the laptop lifestyle and and re- working remotely from a, a beach in the Bahamas and whatnot was just it was it was it was a fable. It yeah. didn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. So, given the age that we are in mm-hmm. and the technology that we are empowered with, we have the ability to create a whole mo- lot more leverage than business owners of the past. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's a lot of the fueling force behind this. But I also think that we've started to transition out of the old taboos, whereby. Like I remember my dad telling me, don't tell anybody your goals because they're going to put curses on you. <laughs> it was a very, a very ethnic yep. migrant mentality, right? Yep. And um, it was just, it was almost scary. Like you, mm. the, there's this anxiety of this pressure of keeping your goals a secret because you're not supposed to tell people about it. Mm. Whereas now you've only got to go into social media and it's it's a common place that people talk very openly about what they've what they've experienced and what they've achieved. Um it's about the right energy around that, I believe. Yeah. And we don't want to boast and brag, but we should celebrate what we want and we should create external accountability. Yeah. And I think it's this new energy and this new acceptance to speak uh, freely and openly uh, in this sense of community uh, that allows us to overcome a lot of these limiting beliefs. Mm, yeah, I love that. I've got a couple of follow-up questions around goals. One is when it comes to the business owners that you work with, how do you position them sharing their financial goals, especially with their teams? Because I know this is something a lot of business owners get stuck with. How much do I share? Do I tell them all the things? Yeah. Or they have this concern where if I tell them how much I'm going to make, they're going to want a pay rise or they're going to sure. you know, expect something else. How do you sort of navigate that with your clients? I've got a really extreme view on this, okay? okay great. And <laughs> the commonly held belief is that this capitalist system is about taking advantage of the uh, the, the the worker, okay? Yep. And I fundamentally disagree with that. Mm. Uh, I am a capitalist. I do believe that you are rewarded commensurate to the value that you create in society. Sure. The more value you create, the more value that you can receive. However, I believe that that value should be shared mm-hmm. and we should be helping people educate our team to understand the value that they actually create because unless they're educated Mm. they don't know what value they represent in the business and therefore they may demand things that are outside the realm of what is commercially viable for that particular role Mm. so personally all of my team knows my personal wealth position the exact dollar that i earn every single dollar that goes through the business they have full transparency Mm -hmm. on all of the finances both for me personally and for the business Mm -hmm. And it's my belief that any single team member can come to me at any point in time and tell me the amount of income that they need to earn to achieve their goals. And I will work with them to reverse engineer a plan to show them what they would need to do in the context of value for the business in order to deserve that amount of remuneration. Mm. And if I can't pay them that because I don't believe they have the skill set, the expertise or the ability to do so, I will welcome them to use us as a stepping stone to go on to something else. Mm. And in that same thought, many of our team have their own businesses. Great. Uh, okay. I, I support them to create their own businesses and do those things because I know that business is one of those things where you have a lot more freedom to create value. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, of course, we want them to work with us, but we're un- not under false pretenses that they're going to be with us forever. Yeah. Um, and this is pretty extreme. Like, How many business owners do you know that have that level of transparency with their team? No, not many. And I think it's interesting, though, because I think – a lot of business owners have this perception that they're trying to just hold on to their people for love or money for forever if they can. And I actually don't think it's good for business to do it that way. I think no. you need some change and some transience in your business with your team because a team member is going to outgrow your business. They're going to outgrow their role. 
you're going to need different skills and you don't want to be hemmed in by existing salaries and not being able to bring in those skills. So um, I share the view that people are with you for a period of time. You want to absolutely get the most out of them and get the best out of them, but we're not designed to trap people in our businesses forever and it's not good for them or for our business when we do that. But I do see uh, that value piece and I work with a lot of business owners on what value does this role bring to your business? And when they've got that framework, it becomes a lot easier to have those conversations. Like you said, when someone comes to them saying, I'd like a pay rise. Okay, great. How have you added more value than this scale has already that we've developed? And it, it just makes those conversations a lot more cleaner, I find. And it then enables and empowers the team members to come to them with solutions and ideas yes. and suggestions, not just, I'd like a pay rise, please. So exactly. it's a different way of looking at it. Yeah, and the interesting thing that we do as well, which we also teach our clients to do, is that we want to make sure that requests for pay rises do not come from ego, but -hmm. come from the necessity of the income required to achieve a particular set of goals. Because let's face it, the vast majority of people, particularly employees, do not know how much income they need to earn to achieve their goals because they've Mm. never been taught. Mm. So what we do with all of our team is that we take them through the exact same exercise we take our clients through, which is a 20-year goal roadmap, which documents all of their lifestyle and financial goals. We reverse engineer that into an income target where we can say with precision, hey, you need to earn this much income over the next 12 months and that needs to grow this much every single year thereafter to achieve everything you want. And the importance of that is we can now connect goals that you're intrinsically motivated by to the the activity, the income required to achieve those goals. And then what we can then do is pragmatically say, okay, well, this is the real number, not Mm -hmm. just a number that you pull out of the air because you want to earn 200 grand or whatever the number is. And hey, this is what the unit economics of your role and the financial model of your role represents. And for some roles, it's easier than others. But we even do this with our offshore team. Mm. And this is not only providing them with skills um, that allow them to understand these things, but it also provides them with the support to control their cash flow. Mm. Because the interesting thing is that the vast majority of people do not need more income to achieve their goals. And I know people are going to get their back up about this straight (laughs) away, right? Like, how dare you? Um, There's no point earning more income if you don't have a mechanism to control the income Mm. that you're already earning. We just experience this cash flow creep, right? That as our income goes up, our expenses adjust proportionally, or in some cases, exponentially. Yeah. So we help our our team and our clients set up the right cash flow structure so they actually keep the money they earn. Mm. It's interesting. And do you think it's valuable for business owners that might be listening to invest in getting their team this kind of training? I mean, it's easy for you because you're you're implementing what you teach anyway. But for businesses who don't have that expertise in-house, and it was interesting, I was having a conversation with one of our members um, earlier this week about how she could negotiate this pay rise, how well she could support this person to achieve their financial goals without giving them a pay rise. Um, And and I had in my mind maybe some financial guidance would be helpful with this young person. Do you think, do you see business owners investing in that or do you think it's a good idea for them to? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And Mm. what many of our clients do is they buy copies of my books, they give them to their team, their team goes through them, and I've even facilitated workshops for their team in order to help them implement those things. Mm. And and once again, I think it's our role as a business owner is to enable our team, right? And we should be able to win together. And Mm -hmm. there should always be a triple win where the client wins, we win, the team members win. And financial literacy and providing this kind of this knowledge is gives you an edge as an employer. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it gives reciprocity too. 
direct. Um, I know even in the experience of our own team, they are so grateful for this knowledge that they're provided and the fact that we practice what we preach. We don't just help our clients build all of this wealth and that our team and ourselves don't do it uh, do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it creates this congruence in terms of team culture, uh, which has been so valuable in terms of us growing and scaling. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I know Mike McCallowitz talks a lot about that in his new book as well in terms of getting that same structure within your team so they can also achieve their goals whilst also working with you. So things can happen together. And I think generationally, we're coming into a generation where they will have three or four jobs or side hustles or all sorts of projects running simultaneously, and they're all going to be creating wealth for them. And their role with you might just be one of those uh, wealth strategies. So I find that really interesting. On the goals front as well, I'm curious, and I know you and I both talk about freedom and lifestyle for business owners a lot. Are you seeing a rise in business owners seeking freedom from their business more than they did say five or 10 years ago when it was all about the grind and the hustle and the money? Are you seeing that change? Yeah, it's really interesting. Freedom was always a goal for our clients because our whole philosophy for our clients and the culture that we try to create and the people that we attract is that we want lifestyle business owners, right? We want people who ideally are able to create a seven-figure lifestyle business. Mm -hmm. And pre-COVID, I think people didn't realize the the need to create the flexibility in COVID definitely was a big catalyst for yeah. a wake-up call, let's call it, uh, for people to say, hey, I need to prioritise my life now. Um, I need to make sure that I'm not trying to squirrel away every last red cent until I'm old and grey to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I want to create that balance now. Um, and I, I went out to prove that. Um, during, during COVID, I spent a year travelling around Australia in a four-wheel drive um, right. because when we went through this goal setting exercise with a lot of our clients, they said, Hey, I want to spend a year traveling around Australia with my family. And then we're like, cool, great. When do you want to do it? Oh, in 10 years time or whatever. And I go, well, why don't you do it sooner? And they're like, oh, insert excuse here. My business yes. isn't ready. I can't do this, yada, yada, yada. And I said, bullshit. I'm going yep. to show you. Yep. So I spent a year getting my business ready. Yep. I then set up the, the, the business and set up everything that I could. We spent a year traveling around Australia, documenting the journey, showing people that it was actually possible. Mm. And, and then we, we've seen so many people bring those goals forwards yeah. and try and work towards creating that better work-life balance and that lifestyle business now. Mm. And I think that what that comes down to is really four things. We call it the F4. Mm. It's my philosophy that you should create a business that creates $400,000 a year in profit. <laughs> Reason for that is because at $400,000 a year, you can live an amazing lifestyle and have a great surplus that you can commit towards wealth creation. Yep. Two, you should work four days a week. And the idea there is you've got three days every single week to reflect, unwind, Mm. and revise your thoughts and how you go back into your business. Mm. Third, you should work 44 weeks a year. So -hmm. you should have two weeks off every quarter. And if you have four days a week, 44 weeks a year, you can run this marathon for a long time and not burn the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, you should build $4 million in net wealth because $4 million in net wealth should produce you about 200 grand a year in passive income. And assuming the kids have flown the coop and the home's paid off, that should be more than sufficient than what you need to live your lifestyle. And of course, if you continue to run your business or do some part-time work, you're going to have more money than what you need. Mm. And this is my definition of a true lifestyle business. Mm, I love that. And it's such, in theory, a simple framework. Everyone can grasp those numbers, understand what they mean, all the backing behind them. And that four-day week is something that I've certainly been really leaning into myself in terms of creating more space this year because as business owners and entrepreneurs, 
we actually need it. We do better work when we have it. So um, doing the, you know, seven day a week grind doesn't make you particularly effective in terms of decision making or any of the things that go around with running a business. So um, I'm definitely on board with with that premise. And I think it's something we need to, yeah, do a lot more focus on definitely. And I'm loving it for teams as well. I think there's a real for value sure. to it, um, which yeah. is really interesting. And I what think you- the interesting part as well, Christy Lee, on that is that if we are burning the candle at both ends, we do not have the decision-making bandwidth to then yeah. prioritise wealth creation and future planning, which is mm. the reason why so many exhausted business owners just defer this kind of stuff yeah. because it does take capacity to think about, to think about your goals, to work through these processes, to implement all of these things. And that's why I see so many business owners reinvesting back into their business because it is all they've got the, the bandwidth to do. Yeah. And you're only doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, you do. You need that diversified strategy. And I know it can feel like it's all roads lead to the business, but the business should be just part of the whole mix, really. Correct. And I think it's also at certain life stages you get caught up in. I was having a conversation with a member this morning and we we both got teenagers in high school and we were commenting that not long now till those school fees are gone because it takes up such a huge part. Look at all that money we'll have to use. So, exactly. um, you know, there are certain phases obviously where there are priorities like paying your kids school fees that that do need to take priority, but um, it's part of a much bigger bigger plan, definitely. I guess I'm curious, are there particular uh, pain points or areas where you see business owners consistently get stuck when it comes to this wealth creation. And a second backup question to that is, what do you see happen when it's time to grow teams and invest in salaries? Because I see a lot of, I don't have the money for that um, sort of mindset. And I'm curious whether you see that too. Yeah. So this all comes back to cash flow. And I know it sounds super boring, but the cornerstone of wealth creation and scaling a profitable business and also a saleable business comes down to cash flow control. Mm. And what we see is that businesses become a cash-eating monster, okay? And as they continue to grow and scale their business, there is always more things to spend on. And there is a behavioral principle known as Parkinson's law that governs all of us as human beings. It basically states that as a human being, we use the means that we have available. So the more means we have, the more means we use. And let's face it, our business is typically the most financial means that we ever have access to. And it's no wonder why money just slips through our fingers. And it's largely due to lack of cash flow structure. We also see it in the household, Mm. but I see so many business owners that reactively manage their personal cash flow manually and it is absolute chaos and mm-hmm. they have no transparency or clarity and they don't have any surplus. So the biggest issue and where we spend the most of our time with our clients is setting up cash flow structure. So let's talk about the household first. I believe household cash flow should not require a budget. I hate budgeting. I think budgeting <laughs> is the worst thing that's ever been invented. And the reason for it is it's retrospective. Yeah. You've set an unrealistic expectation typically when you've done the budget in the first place because you're trying to be you're trying to be good, right? Yeah. And then You only know what happens after the fact if you ever go back and look at it, which is always spent more than what you plan to budget for, so you feel guilty. Yep. But there's also nothing you can do about it because the activity has already occurred. You've done nothing to try and change the behaviour. Yeah. So my view, and in my first book I created what we call the hub structure, which is a cash flow structure that basically allows you to completely automate your household cash flow on the assumption that you have a fixed income that you can draw from your business that substantiates the structure. Mm-hmm. And what it kind of involves is having your fixed expenses covered, having a war chest and emergency fund so you don't need a credit card, segmenting yours and your partner's discretionary 
play money each week, having an account for lumpy bills that fall quarterly, half yearly, and yearly, having an account for holidays so you can plan for that in advance. Mm. So if we've accounted for fixed expenses, spend money, lumpy bills, holidays, we can now work out the exact amount of income that you need to fill all those buckets mm. and then ideally have at least a 20% household surplus. And then we'd allocate that surplus towards wealth creation or debt reduction. Yeah. And all of that can be automated. No more bandwidth required. Yeah. And then we can focus on the business where we set up a cash flow structure that we call the profit mastery machine that ensures that we can have clarity around cost of sales. We can have clarity around GST. Mm-hmm. We can have clarity around operating expenses, which include salaries and, yeah. and all of those kinds of things. We can have clarity around owner's pay if you drawing that regular income. Clarity around tax, PAYG, super, and corporate tax, and also clarity around profit. Yeah. And what this allows us to do is to have what we call bank balance accounting, where we can look at a bank account balance every single day and with pinpoint accuracy know exactly how we are doing. Now, when we implement both of these things, we see our clients typically increase their personal surplus by about 15 to 20%, yeah. and their business profits by 15 to 20%. Fantastic. Yeah. And for most of our clients who are mid-six-figure or seven-figure business owners, that is, in some cases, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that was just slipping through their fingers without knowing. Yeah. And what this then allows us to do is to then use that extra resource if we want to continue to grow the business, but also build wealth at the same time. We don't Mm. have to do one over the other. Mm. I love that this all comes back to clarity. It's the same with everything in business. If you're not clear on it, as you said, things will just be falling through the cracks. You won't know where things are going. And then we're very reactive in everything we do. And, and wealth is one of those areas, obviously. And that's never a great place to be working from. And it's stressful. Lucky that it's that mental load. If everything's automated and done, you don't have to think about it. So it removes the mental load, which gives you more space mentally to focus on other things that you need to be worried about. 100%. And this might sound a little bit overwhelming if you're just listening or watching this. Mm. Um, I'm going to give you guys a resource that'll show you what the structure looks like and how to implement it. And look, I'm going to preface by saying it's a pain in the ass to set up initially. <laughs> However, once it's set in place, yeah. it will be basically set and forget with a small amount of time, typically 30 minutes a month to optimize and improve. Mm-hmm. And it will be night and day in terms yeah. of how you manage your money moving forwards. Um, so front load the work, get it done, and then you can coast from there. Yeah. But I think that's like anything. There's always a pain point. Like when I say do your time audits, tell you where you're spending all your time, it's yes. a pain to do that time audit. But the intel it gives you is so, so valuable. And this is exactly the same kind of principle. Absolutely. And I guess finally, when we're employing staff and growing teams and we're reluctant to hire because we're worried about that investment, what's the advice you give business owners that are sitting in that quandary of can I afford this person? Where do you guide them in that respect? Yes. So from a purely financial standpoint, I see so many business owners taking leaps of faith in terms of hiring and not being objective and systematic in terms of their hiring. Because hiring, like any other growth strategy in your business, uh, should be based on the numbers. Uh, It should not be based on gut feel uh, or your emotions. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we do with our clients is we take them through understanding the true cost of an employee. And we go through all the numbers, we break it down. uh, And then what we basically do is we work out the wastage in terms of, okay, well, how many work days are there in the year, minus holidays, minus public holidays, minus sick leave, minus annual leave. And that allows us to work out what the true hourly rate is for that particular role. 
And then what that then allows us to do is to work out, okay, well, what are our KPIs and expectations that allow us to get to a break-even point? Mm-hmm. And then to profitability. Yeah. So as a general rule of thumb, once we go through that, most people have grossly underestimated what that role is actually going to cost them. Yeah. So sometimes they have a bit of a come to Jesus moment. But then as a general rule of thumb, we say, okay, once you're in a position where you can afford half of that role, assuming that it is a profit driving role, we pull the trigger on it. We have really good understanding of the numbers yeah. and what the profitability and cash flow is. And basically we we take the leap. And um, I think that people find themselves in the extremes most often in hiring from a financial standpoint, they either hire too early before they can afford it or they wait far too long. And it's about trying to find that sweet spot. And I'm sure you see this, but from our perspective, it's about how do we wrap the numbers around it because the numbers don't lie. The numbers never lie. That is absolutely true. And I think um, I think knowing the numbers gives business owners a sense of security that they're, they're doing the right thing by hiring now, knowing that that's where the numbers sit. But, yeah, you're right. It's often too early or too late. So finding that sweet spot is key. Jackson, exactly. thank I think the, you. The follow-up to that, just because mm. I know this is a real soft spot, is business owners need to get in the habit to ensure that they're putting aside the PayYG and yes. the super when they hire roles. Yes. Because the common bugbear that I see is that on your accounting software, your PL is accruing for that. However, many business owners aren't actually putting that cash aside. Yes. And then when their business activity statement comes up or if they find themselves on PayYG installments, they get a nasty surprise where they don't have the money set aside for it. So this is critically important to ensure that if you are hiring, you're building teams, that you have a system mm. for putting that money aside for the tax man. Such a good point. And super, absolutely part of that as well, because that can that can feel like a bit of a sting, the super bill, when it's time Definitely. for that to pop up. So. Fantastic. I so appreciate you joining us on the podcast, Jackson. Thank you so much. Where can people reach out to you and get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you do and and grab a copy of your book or anything else? Good news is you're going to get all of the resources we spoke about, uh, all of my books, and also a financial performance scorecard, which basically is the top 40 things that you need to work out what your next best moves are in business uh, on uh, a website called wealthhealthcheck.com.au. That's wealthhealthcheck.com.au. Uh, you can grab all those resources for free and uh, complete the scorecard, which will give you a customized report of where you should be focusing your attention financially. Uh, and if you want to get in touch, all of our details will be on there as well. Fantastic. That link will absolutely be in the show notes wherever you're listening to this episode. Jackson, thank you so much. It's been great to have you here. I really appreciate you sharing your genius with us today. My pleasure. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jackson. I think sometimes it's great to get a different perspective in different areas of business here on the podcast. And, you know, absolutely, we chatted about people and what we should tell our team or not tell our team about our financial achievements and our financial goals in business. But also, I really appreciated that Jackson so generously generously shared some of his frameworks and structures that he teaches uh, his community and his clients when it comes to that pursuit for financial freedom. So I do hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Now, as Jackson promised, he has a health check that you can do to give you an overview of where you sit with all of this. So the link to that is going to be in today's show notes. You can grab that wherever you are listening to this episode, but the website you want to head to is wealthhealthcheck.com.au. That is wealthhealthcheck.com.au. 
jacksonsdirect.com.au. I'll also include a link to Jackson's direct website if you want to check his details out. And of course, I'm sure you can connect with him on socials as well. Now, as always, if you're wishing to connect with other like-minded business owners, leaders and managers on all things team, please join us in our Facebook group, HR Support for Australian Businesses. The link is in today's show notes, of course, or you can just search HR Support Australia in Facebook groups and you will find us there. All right. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. I can't wait to chat to you again next week on the next episode of the People Powered Business Podcast. 